us here at Off the Mat would like to send our sincerest condolences to the Scott Hall family and friends. We will now observe a moment of silence. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Presents the bottom line. The Stone Cold Simpson. Everyone dies. Because I'm better than you, and you know it. Woo! Yes, sir! Welcome to Off the Mats with, with Alex Lowe's, Josh Silverberg, and Lyle Gillen. Hello and welcome to Off the Mat, the only wrestling show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. My name is Lyle Gillen, and I am here with Alex Lowe's. Oh, still going. Well, we just had a uh, moment of silence with Scott Hall. It's a uh, yep. tragic loss in the wrestling community. And... Before we get to talking about the usual, the the app and where you can follow us, I want to get to Scott Hall first because we just had a moment of silence. Yep. Now, Alex, Absolutely. what is your fondest memory? What's your favorite memory of Scott Hall? I would say the best memory of me for Scott Hall was when he joined the NWO. That was one of my favorite moments because it was so unexpected. The fans at uh, Bash at the Beach were not really expecting that to happen. What they were expecting to happen was for Hawk Hogan to come in and save uh, Randy Savage, but they didn't know they no one had idea had any clue that he was the third man until he dropped the leg on Randy Savage. And that's when the tide turned. That's when you knew something was up. Everybody was wondering if he was going to link with the outsiders and he eventually did. And that was a big, big turn of events for the wrestling world because for a long time, Hawk Hogan was the main focus. He was the the guy, the, the guy that everybody looked up to, kids. He would do charities, everything. So when that happened, that was kind of like a spit in the face to uh, wrestling fans of Hawk Hogan. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, that's probably one of the most iconic moments in wrestling. Um, that and his ladder match are probably two of the – and the latter match with uh, Shawn Michaels is probably two things that everyone will always remember. Um, a lot of people have been talking that he's probably the guy who most deserves to get a world title that never did. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. Yeah, now, 100%. I mean, this guy has held a lot of titles. He's held the World Television Championship for WCW, the WCW United States title. He was WCW Tag Team Champion seven times with Kevin Nash and the Giant, now the big show. And then he won World War III in 1997 and held the WWF Intercontinental title four times. So that's a big big list of accomplishments. Yeah, he... Now, 
he, he obviously wrestled before we watched him live. Yeah, obviously. Or we were very young. Um, I was about, uh, I, I was five, I think, when, or just turning five, when he joined the NWO. Now, I'm not going to ever remember that, but you can go back on the WWE Network over the years, now on Peacock, and watch all these great moments he had, and it's a real tragedy. It really is. It's it's a big loss, a big, uh, a hard knocking blow for the wrestling world and uh, Scott Hall and all of his fans. Well, we'll get to more Scott Hall in a minute, but before we do that, now, Alex, mm-hmm. we figured out it's so easy a speedy can do it last week or two yeah, weeks ago. I'm sorry, absolutely. But the app is so easy to download. I actually had a friend of mine do it. He opened up his phone, he went straight to Google Play, and he downloaded it. Two seconds, boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom, done. It's it that so easy. easy. And if you have an iPhone, it's okay. I know your phone, iPhones generally aren't as good as Androids. They're not as good. Don't worry. Don't get upset about it. But you can download it too. You're included. Okay? Don't get upset. We know you have a crappy phone, <laughs> but you can still download our awesome app, which is way better than your iPhone. And there's so much included in that app, too. Oh, there's it's great. Lot. Actually, when yeah. you try and watch our shows live, it takes you right to Twitch. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So if you're done and you want to watch gaming and stuff, you can go do that. It's very convenient. It's very easy to do. If you want to follow us on Twitch, you can go to that and go watch it right on uh, on your TV. I don't think you we really want to see Josh's face on a 50-inch TV. So I would not recommend that at all. I, I would probably turn your TV off. After six o'clock, before then, it's us two beautiful people. Well, we also have the uh, the website. Yep. Maybe you can tell everyone how to get there and how to find it, and everyone can go check it out. Yeah, it's very easy to get get to the uh, off the mat website. What you do is the link is in our description of Twitter. You click on that link, and it will take you to the website where you get access to upcoming pay-per-views and shows for 2022. I recently just updated that list, so please do check that out. There is also a show archive where you can watch all the replays from all of our shows and past shows that we have done for Off The Mat on Bodyslam.net and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You can also check out special guest interviews that there's a page for that and you get access to all the past interviews we have done on off the mat. And if you want to contact us, there is a contact us page where you can reach out to us through our emails. Well, Alex, now what is your Twitter account? My Twitter is at show slows. I'm so slows. Okay. I'm Lyle Gillen underscore. Um, and, and those are the only two accounts you really want to follow. Those are the best accounts on here. Okay. Can't leave Josh out. At Josh Silverberg. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to follow Josh, it's at Josh Silverberg. But he's a Mets fan, so he's, he's going to have very depressing tweets this year. Us national fans, we're going to have even more depressing tweets. Anyway, we have, we have a great show for you tonight. We're going to be going right into it. We're going to be talking about a little bit more about Scott Hall. We have an interview with Jeff... Jeff Lippman at 6 o'clock. Jeff Lippman at 6 o'clock. That's going to be a great interview. We're going to be talking everything, every promotion. We're going to have a great conversation. He's a great guy, and I cannot wait to talk to him again. He came on a while back. We had a really long talk, and 
That was one of the best interviews we ever did. Josh did say he 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 was going to be on, but like he yeah. had something come up with family, so he he hates that he has to miss like this interview with uh, Jeff. But hopefully, the next time we have Jeff on, like Josh can be included with us in the interview. Hopefully, nothing comes up that time. If something does, he's probably cursed. <laughs> he probably is, for all we know. <laughs> I hope not. I really don't want him to be. <laughs> but hey, Dan Housen probably cursed him, and now he can't have an interview with Jeff. But now let's get to it. Now, Bret Hart said said something regarding Scott Hall passing away, that the 300 days a year being away from your family are, and how the toll that it takes on your body, it put an impact on it. Yeah, and it does. the damage. Now, what is your opinion of that? And how do you think it, it could have affected him? Other wrestlers, we saw what it could also do to Jake, Jake the Snake, what it did to Shawn Michaels for a period of time. A lot of guys who have been, it's very well established that painkillers have been something that can get become an issue for wrestlers. And the 300 days in that schedule can really do a lot of damage. And yeah, it can. I think that's one thing that's really good about AEW schedule. You're only committed to working one day a week. Maybe two, depending on if it's a live rampage or a pay-per-view, which is not common. It really takes the stress off of you as a wrestler. I think that's great. They don't do the live shows. The much easier schedule. I, I And I like it. I like a lot that WWE is even moving away from live shows. They don't do as much as they used to. No, they don't. I love it was that. A different, it was a different time back then. It was, a different, yeah. A different uh, aspect. And... For a lot of those wrestlers, they had a much larger, much more difficult schedule. So I can understand why most of them were on painkillers, why they were doing this type of stuff, because they were in so much pain and a lot of soreness that they're not used to from the impact on their body and taking these bumps and having to wrestle almost every night. I mean, it, it does a lot of work. It, 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 Back in the day, there would be a lot of torn rotators, concussions, you name it. Every injury you could think of. There were a lot of those back in the day. Not so much now because the schedules are much, much more lighter than 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 being much heavier as they were back then. Back then. So we know the the industry has really changed. You know, Mm -hmm. even back then, it's. I actually think a lot of it has even gotten more physical. And I'm not, I mean, like in, in match from bell to bell, how they wrestle now to how they wrestle back then. Look at what Kenny Omega did. He, he's out, going to be out for a while. He wrestled through, through so many injuries. It's, it's remarkable that how, how they do this now. And, you look at the schedule that AEW does. I think it's good. I think that that is something that should go to in the future. Hopefully, WWE does something similar. I would love that. And I'm not trying to like bump up AEW's uh, steam up here. I'm just complimenting their uh, shorter schedule. And I don't like the 300 days that Brett mentioned. I think that is brutal to the body. Yeah, it well, is. Well, anyway, let's talk about AEW for a little bit. Mm-hmm. From this past Wednesday, we have Rampage on tonight. Now, everyone, it was two things everyone wanted to see. Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy. The Hardys reuniting. Now, they got that that uh, 
the theme song, the famous Hardy Boy theme, which you could actually talk about with Jeff Lippman later because he's a lawyer and specializes in trademark law. So we can go into that and why they were able to use it. Yeah. And so the ratings quarter by quarter by quarter came out yesterday. And the Hardy Boys versus Private Party was actually the lowest rated quarter. What's that's shocking favorite? to me. That, that's it's very shocking. Yeah. I don't know if there was a game on, a college game on, or something that something was happening in that time, but I don't. I didn't expect that. Now, what do? You, how do you interpret that? I think that's out of left field for me because to me, having the Hardys debut on Dynamite was a big moment Wednesday night for the show, and they they tore it up in the ring. A uh, private party in the Hardys, and you have to give them a hand for how well they were performing in this match against each other. The chemistry was great. And uh, the commentators even alluded to it that they are Matt Hardy's former protégés. So you could tell that Private Party knew what they had to do going into this match, how how they had to match up with the Hardy boys. And they did absolutely a fair, fantastic job. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the Hardys do next. I think they are going to start a few... With the eight, with uh, with the HFO now, which is now the it's the Andrade family office. Yeah, Andrade family office now. I, I I'd like that. to see. I'd like to see them go up against the Butcher and the Blade. And I want that to just be over. That entire like faction to be done. I'm not a fan of it. I don't like it. I didn't like it. I, I like. I don't it. like it, but I think that's what they might do. But there's other I things. I liked Matt with Private Party alone. I did not like when they started adding everybody in. I didn't like that. I thought it was no reason for it. I but agree. They didn't have to put all something. Something interesting about that match. I'm looking at it right now. It has a million views on YouTube already. Wow. That's, so that's it's amazing. definitely might be a weird anomaly that they didn't get something. Maybe some. That's why I said maybe something happened with college basketball. Something was ha- maybe happening with. Um, it's just shocking to me because you can tell a lot of people were into it. The the crowd oh, was the crowd was that. great. That was a great crowd in San Antonio. Now the other thing that everyone really wanted to see that night was the women's title match. That was the biggest the biggest match besides this. What did you think of that match? I thought the women's Hell in a Cell match was great. There are a few spots that actually the spots were great, like the chair spot and the the thumbtack spot. The only issue I had with this match was I wish they would have put more technical wrestling into the match. There should have been more delivery and move sets and just more cross with the transitioning. But other than that, it was a great matchup. I thought I thought that uh Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker really tore it up in that ring. They really pulled out all the stops. At first, I was unsure about it. I was unsure how they were going to pull off this this uh, cage match because the last two matches weren't that great. And I think it was because Thunder Rosa wasn't really prepared. She wasn't really in the right head game for the first two matches. And Thunder Rosa knew she had to win this match because it was in her hometown of San Antonio. And when she won, you could tell it, it meant a lot to her. It meant, it meant a lot to her fans. So it was great. It was an awesome moment. Yeah, I thought that was great. She had a great reception down there in San Antonio. And, you know, you look back and it was the right decision to do that that way. She got the pop she should have had. And I thought the match was good. I enjoyed it. 
it wasn't as good as a um, lights out match, but it was a very good match and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. But there was something else that was mentioned if you were really paying attention. It was the moment when the Young Bucks and FTR are backstage. The Young Bucks said to them that you're not the best there is. Now, everyone is thinking, and it comes, I mentioned Bret Hart earlier, everyone thinks that Bret Hart is going to be coming in as their manager. Would you like to see that? Oh, I'd love to see that. I think it adds more. It adds more. Adds another layer to the to the young bucks. It adds. Uh, well, no, not not the young bucks. It would be uh, um, FTR's manager. FTR that adds another layer to FTR because now they already have that influence that they gained from Tully Blanchard. So now, if they have Bret Hart in their corner, that's going to up a lot of their submission game. And it's going to make them a lot more stronger competitors than they already are. They're already huge stars. It's just uh, Bret, having Bret Hart there is going to do much more for them in their uh, momentum in their in their wrestling career. The only thing I have a problem with is that Bret Hart is not a guy who's known for being on the mic. That's generally what a manager. No, Bret Hart's do. more. He's more known as somebody who's uh, in ring. He's more yeah. in ring style. He definitely was not someone who is known for his mic work. Now, he could have a good promo every now and then, but he was not known for having a good promo. That's not something that he was known for. So I'm really very interested to see how he does on the mic. When mm-hmm. he came out at Double or Nothing, I thought it was very awkward. Not, uh, the original Double or Nothing in 2019. Um, I thought it was very awkward. Uh, but for multiple reasons. One, Bret Hart was not supposed to be there that night. It was supposed to be Ric Flair. But he had medical issues and could not be there. So they called Bret Hart in at the last minute. So that's why it could have been a little awkward. Also seeing Bret Hart on competition TV. Right after he kind of made Buddy Buddy with Vince again. It's, it was a little little out of left field. But for me. But. I would love to see it. I think they'll be a great pair. I know FDR are huge fans of Bret Hart. They love watching him. They talk about it all the time on Twitter how much they, how they think he's the, he really is the best there is. And I think he's definitely up there. But I, I, I think it'll be a great match. I think it's a match made in heaven. I, I would personally love it. Yeah. And the one thing I didn't like about this AEW Dynamite was the Jericho Appreciation Society commencement. I thought this whole thing was unnecessary. I don't really? I don't like the name of it. I do not the like name the name is weird, but I think the group and what they're going to be trying to do is going to work very well. They're essentially going to be guys who are the WWE stereotype typical wrestler. That's what they're going to be going for. And they're going to be doing that to try and get heat. And that's so not far work. getting it, man. It's going to work. So far. And it, you know what? Yeah. Everyone was saying that Daniel Garcia, oh, he has no personality. He has no charisma. He's bland. He's boring. And I've been telling people, he's a star. He is amazing. He's going to be phenomenal. He's going to be a star. And I thought his promo was perfect. It was. He's one of the the guys who's probably one of the best technical wrestlers on the planet. 
And he said right there, I'm not a wrestler. I'm a sports entertainer. And that is, got that got a lot of people angry. It got me. Angry too. It got me riled up. That is the point. It, they are doing a good job of getting that, and I love it. I think they're gonna do great. I think that Daniel Garcia is gonna be pushed to the moon, and I cannot wait to see where he goes in a year. Can't wait to look back and see how he is. And I, we all know Chris Jericho; he's gonna make this work. Oh he's yeah. Away. You know, because when Inner Circle debuted, I'm like, that name is terrible. That's horrible. I wanted to be Alpha Club, so bad, but nope, it was not, and it, and I hated that name at the beginning. But the group became amazing. I loved the circle so much. Wow, my now my camera is getting worse. Darn glare! It could actually be a combination of the lighting now, because um, I have a lamp off, because I have the lampshade, and it's blocking off the giant. Beam of sun. And then, Lyle, I got to ask you about the Hangman Page, Jurassic Express, and Adam Cole Red Dragon sure. match. What did you think about that matchup? Do you think it adds more to the story? And do you think eventually, because Josh alluded to it last week, eventually that the Young Bucks and Red Dragon kind of turn on each other? And then do you think Adam Cole picks a side? Who do, who do you think he chooses? No, it's going to be, um, they're setting up to be uh, before Double or Nothing. Or if Kenny Omega is out for a while, at Double or Nothing, maybe even, uh, no, it wouldn't be at Double or Nothing because uh, Hangman would still be champion. So it would yeah. be something that happens before Double or Nothing. They're setting up a match of Hangman and the Bucks versus Red Dragon and Adam Cole. Yeah, but watch, watch what they Adam doing. Cole does have to choose at some point. He's I think he's already cho- chosen the side. They've already foreshadowed it last week when they showed um, the rift between the Bucks and Red Dragon. Mm-hmm. Adam Cole stormed off with Red Dragon. Yeah, that that says it right there, pretty much. He, he went off with them. He didn't go. He didn't. He didn't take a side with, with, with the unlucky off. No, and he stormed off with Red Dragon. Mm-hmm. I think that right there is them foreshadowing that the pro- that he's going to be leaving. AEW does a lot of foreshadowing. You have to watch a lot of in- little tiny words that they use, and I love that about their storytelling. They do a great job. Yeah, they really. Sorry, do. Eric Bischoff, you are wrong. Um, I, I don't know if you saw that, Alex, but Eric Bischoff said they don't don't do storytelling right. Um, what? Yeah, we're going to ignore that and not go off on. Eric Bischoff. Um, but no, I had I thought that that was great. I think they're doing a good job with that storyline. They're probably stretching it out a little bit longer than they thought they would have to. Mm-hmm. Because Kenny was hoping to be back at Revolution. And now right, right now, the latest report from, from Fightful Select is that he could be out longer than they thought. Um, that he still has more surgeries to do. He just had knee surgery and sports hernia surgery. He I don't know if he had the shoulder surgery yet, but that was one of the bad ones for him. So it's yeah, we'll go commercial in a minute. Um, but yeah, it's I, I think right now they're going to be setting up a reunion of the Bucks and Hangman. Yeah. On on that note, we're going to be heading to commercial, and uh, I'm going to try and fix my camera in the meantime. But we'll be right back, and we're going to have Jeff Lipman on, and we cannot wait. So, to be a great interview. 
And yep. uh, stay, stay tuned. tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. This is the worst town I've ever been in. No! Welcome back to Off the Mat with Alex Lowe's, Josh Silverberg, and Lyle Gillen. Hello and welcome back to Off the Mat on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network and Bodyslam.net. My name is Lyle Gillen and I am here with Alex Lowe's. We are now being welcomed by Jeff Littman. Jeff, how have you been? I've been all right. What's up, guys? I was just enjoying your catering. I was wondering whether I was Dolph or I was John Morrison. <laughs> well, which one do you think you are? Well, now I'm Dolph. I was brought in. I wasn't released. <laughs> what have you been up to? We've, it's been a while since we've had you on. What have you been up to doing? Last time you had me on, I didn't realize that we were on an hour show and you let me talk for like 50 minutes. <laughs> so, so of course it's your favorite interview because you didn't have to do anything. Uh, that's not going to happen this time. This time is going to be a conversation now that I know. What have I been doing? Mostly the same. I work. I play. The podcast is Hammerlock Hangover. It says Hammering Hangover yes, it down does. there. No big deal. It's it's funny. It's all good. Check it out. Then I've got my non-wrestling podcast, Garden of Doom, which is like mythology, philosophy, history, pop culture, friends, something for everybody. And then its sister show is Garden Views, which is more mainstream interviews. Lately, we've been doing things that are legal related, you know, uh, trying to pull in my real life resources into the podcast world. Uh, and I'm, I sort of have a long-term mission of trying to extrapolate what will be the law of space. So I, I got someone, the, the director of the Institute for the Law of the Sea from mm -hmm. Berkeley Lawn to talk about the law of the sea. I just finished doing an interview with an admiralty and maritime lawyer, and I'm slowly building, I have someone looking into Antarctica but in the in the interim, I had some a cryptocurrency expert, someone who did the law of armed conflict. Obviously, there's a war going on right now. So um, and not just someone, the person who was in charge of telling the guardsmen in Washington, D.C. from January 6th forward what use of force they were allowed to do and when, like wow. literally down to when are we allowed to take our sidearms? Like he was the point guy. So I've had sort of like my military trilogy. So, you know, if you're interested in stuff like that, that's a little bit more maybe academical, but still academical it, <laughs> i just impeached myself academic but interesting um check out garden views but it's all on the garden of doom feed anyway so i'm gonna start off with something that came out recently sure now about a couple months ago it came out that mlw is suing wwe Yep. and wwe just released a statement where and i found a statement hilarious personally they released a statement where they pretty much tried to use AEW success to prove that and that they're not a monopoly. They mm -hmm. tried to show how ML, uh, AEW success in the demo, which I find funny because you had a lot of people who try and disregard the demo. So I find that ironic. But I want your opinion as a lawyer, what, what their statement could do to the MLW lawsuit and what do you think about the lawsuit in general? Well, I'm glad you asked because we we had we did almost two shows on this. One uh, was just Stephen Pena, my co-host, and myself talking mm -hmm. about. It. And then the next week we had Stephen Pena, myself, and Stephen P. New on it. So both my Stevens and we talked about the the lawsuit and anticipated types of defenses. 
And I mean, there's a whole things that we can speculate upon. We don't know what the mm -hmm. contract with Tubi said. We don't know what discovery is. We don't know if they're smoking guns regarding discovery and, and all of those things. I mean, you know, it's 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 one thing if you read it and say, oh, yeah, they're doing business with the A&E network. So, uh, you know, of course, Discovery's in with WWE. Well, Discovery just acquired Warner Media, So, I mean, they're in with AEW, too. That's not really the way businesses work. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I very much doubt that the people at Discovery give a rat's ass about this. And I surely don't think the people at Fox care at all about Tubi. It's probably their least important acquisition. <laughs> so, I mean, but the particular question you raised when you are a defendant, you raise every defense that can possibly help you. So they just yeah. filed an answer and they filed a motion to dismiss. So if if the gist is an antitrust lawsuit, and that's in essence what it was. Mm -hmm. It was an antitrust lawsuit. They they um, they cited two federal acts, one basically saying you can't be a monopoly. And the other one is basically saying you can't act in a way to further your monopoly. So th those are why they, they listed two different acts. So what's the prime answer to that? Not a monopoly. So why wouldn't they use this evidence that's out there to say, we're not a monopoly. You're just not the competition. Sorry, it's you. You're. I mean, MLW wrote a really weird suit. I mean, they said that they engage in monopolistic uh, behavior, but they blackball MLW talent, but they hoard, but they keep poaching our talent. Yeah. Um they said WWE is doing this because their, their quality of product has, has consistently declined. Well, then why aren't you answering the market by putting on great quality product? You're saying yours is good. Why isn't the market flowing to you? I mean, almost everything they said is, is impeached by the existence of a company like AEW, which whether you think that they've achieved the success that they originally advertised or not, they're getting a million people a week. Raw gets yeah. 1.7. I mean, you know, within... Yeah, Raw years. barely gets anything anymore. Right. So, I mean, of course, if you're being accused of being a monopoly, what do you do? You say, we're not a monopoly. Look, here it is. Facts. Not a monopoly. Objective. There's nothing to argue about, Judge. That That's what... Based on a motion to dismiss, you're not going to get it dismissed unless there's nothing to argue about. Mm -hmm. Now, I do agree with that they definitely try to act like a monopoly. I think they try and act like a monopoly over the entire wrestling business. Well, they um, released 250 I, wrestlers. How can you be acting like a monopoly? You, you, you give them more labor to everyone else. <laughs> that is true. But I think um, the way they speak on how it should be done, um, there, there are a lot of times when AEW would do something and then they would ask them in the uh, earnings calls about that stuff and they would reiterate how, how they think the way they do it should be done. So I think that they have a, they try, they want to be, and they try and act like one, but I don't think that they are one. AEW existed proves that they're not one. They're not a monopoly, but I think that they definitely do attempt to be one. Isn't it the job of every business to try to be more successful than its competitors? You're a publicly traded company you have a fiduciary responsibility to your shareholders to maximize benefits. Most yeah. of the legal issues that WWE faces, it's from its own shareholders on things that the IWC doesn't care about. Like, like they didn't get enough money from Saudi Arabia. Like they didn't get enough money from the, the Middle Eastern satellite network. The wrestlers were stuck on the tarmac, were being held hostage. So instead of getting $55 million from the, the Qatari cable network in the Middle East, they only got $16 million a year, and thus they breached their fiduciary duty. 
you know, those are the kinds of suits that they face every single year because they every year they have forward-looking statements that says you can't rely on them. And we're planning, we're talking to India, we're talking to this. And then they, they, and then the shareholders, like the Fireman's Fund or somebody is going to come up and say, yeah, but you lost your Japan TV deal and you could have kept it. And that's another $27 million a year you're not getting. Mm-hmm. Or you told us that India was going to be in 100 yeah. million homes and you're going to get $60 million and you only got $47 million. It's almost a game. It's a cottage industry. But yeah. the original point was, are, do they act like a monopoly? I don't know. Does McDonald's try to ignore Burger King? Sure. So my next question is about Tony Khan acquiring Ring of Honor. And I just want to get your thoughts on this, Jeff. Uh, how do you th- how how do you think Tony Khan can make it as good as AEW programming? And do you think he's going to be able to do that with the Supercard show? Well, let me tell you this. First of all, the whole thing is a swirl of confusion to me. And I, and I think the one thing that we all need to take note of is AEW LLC did not purchase Ring of Honor. Tony Khan purchased Ring mm-hmm. of Honor. Now, yeah. whether he used another corporate vehicle or not, probably, and that would make sense. But AWLLC, as far as we know, the only registered owner is Prashad Khan. I don't know if, if Prashad said, I'm not putting any more money into wrestling. And, and this is like Tony's sort of his insurance policy that he can always play Booker. Or if this is just like, cool, son, I'm not putting more money into it, but we're going to work together and help each other or something in between. Don't know any of that. So let's just put a pin on that. Watch how it develops. Set it aside. Yeah. How can he make it as good as AEW? Um I mean, I think the easiest part is talent sharing. He has a lot of wrestlers under contract that are not mm-hmm. doing anything or underutilized. I mean, you have your you have Lance Archer, who every three or four months shows up, makes a lot of noise, gets a title shot, loses, and then disappears again. You have Miro, who's nobody's seen him in months. He's not even yelling in the white void anymore. The House of Black <laughs> has already been forgotten. You You have three of the most talented wrestlers in the world there, Nobody understands why Penta Oscura is Oscura. Um, you know, you know, you have you have all these factions. I I, I joke that AEW should call itself mitosis because they they, they they keep spreading and and dividing. And when one faction breaks up, it actually creates two or three more. It's it's not like you're getting rid of a faction. So um, you know, talent sharing. You could you could actually you know pretend it's a different promotion you could you mm-hmm. could have invasion angles or pride things like if i think it was like a year ago or something I, I said hey you want the youtube shows to be more important give the youtube shows titles and then make it like the nwa tv title if you hold the title for whatever 90 days then you can take a shot at the corresponding title on on the main yeah. show on the main they roster could, they could do that with aw dark even mix in some aw dark talent to ring of honor Absolutely, they can do whatever they want. Now, I think there's been some interesting signals. One is that the Briscoes, they just booked them to face FTR. Mm-hmm. Even that after was Warner Media today. said, yep, Brad, breaking news. Even after uh, Warner Media said, don't hire the Briscoes. Well, they said, AW, don't hire the Briscoes. Nothing about Ring of Honor, but it's also privity of titles. I mean, one way or another, those titles are going to be in the AW family. Also, they were talking about Gresham being hired. Now, I'm not a big Gresham fan, and I think that focusing on Gresham and his style of wrestling and his style of wrestler is one of the things that helped accelerate their malaise. That said, if you want to have privity of champions, Gresham is their sitting champion right now. Josh the Goods Woods was on Dark. Plenty of Ring of Honor talent has been on Dark. They lose. He won. And Tony Schiavone interviewed him. He's He's the sitting pure champion, so... 
these are signals I think that Tony Khan's going to try to keep at least the privity of the titles for some amount of time instead of starting fresh. So I think Ring of Honor fans should take heart. On the other side, I have personal relationships with some Ring of Honor talents, and I and I also created a Twitter account that where I just only follow Ring of Honor, you know, wrestlers or former wrestlers. None of them are talking about Supercard, and the people that I know, um, they haven't heard anything from Sinclair nor from AEW. Wow, that's shocking to me because there's so much that they could do with the with the with the roster they have for AEW Dark AEW. And just build from there up the Ring of Honor roster and do what they need to do to make it entertaining and interesting for everybody. We will see. I, you know, I don't know if they can make money with it. I don't know if it's going to be on HBO Max. I don't really see HBO Max being interested in wrestling. It's more like prestige TV. But then again, they have all the DC <laughs> comic cartoon movies on it. So maybe. Who knows? I don't know. But um, it's good for Ring of Honor because it was going to fold. Yes, it was. Yeah. Supercard of Honor, it might be too late. I mean, it's a little, it's it's a little yeah. bit far from Dallas. Mm-hmm. It's competing against Rampage, which is sort of like you're competing against your yourself. Uh, the <laughs> collective for the culture show was earlier that day. There's a lot of shows that are closer to WrestleMania. SmackDown is that night. I think the Hall of Fame ceremony is either before or after SmackDown. So I, I'm still, I, I think it may be too long to salvage Supercard, but I think Supercard is still on Sinclair or dime or ring of honors remaining budget i don't think tony's putting his own money into it i think they're just saying yeah you you, you can book it and just indemnify us so there was a bit a lot of talk about cody going to wwe or, or leaving his evp position now a lot of people were speculating on how that works and they were also speculating on how he could debut and when he would debut in wwe suspecting that he did go there or did sign there already some people think that he might have had to wait till his TBS show went out. Now, from a legal perspective, how would it work with an EVP leaving and then him going to a rental company like that? Well, it depends what the contracts say. My understanding is that the EVP and the talent contract ran concurrently. Uh, my further understanding is that only the talent contract had any sort of non-compete and he wasn't released he it was just expired so it works the same as any other free agent he was completely a free agent he was working without a contract for about a month or so the real question is how much of an evp was he really i mean there there have been you know stories going back to december 19 not 19 2019 that sort of the evps have been sidelined and tony khan said i'm going to take over booking um and then there were stories about how you know sort of the elite weren't getting along, but it really wasn't so much the elite. It was Kenny and the Bucks were still getting along. They just weren't getting along with Cody and Brandy. And then there were stories probably from Cody, uh, but other people verified it, that during the pandemic, Cody came in in a suit and tie every single day. He got there at six in the morning. He left at uh, nine at night while no, while the other EVPs never showed up. But it seems that Tony Khan likes them better. Maybe Cody was a pain in the ass. Maybe Brandy was a pain in the ass. Maybe they just butt heads. Cody apparently wanted more money. I Listen, I don't know how you leave an EVP job where you actually get health benefits, where yeah. you have access to not one, but two TV shows uh, th- through the through the network, yeah. where, where your wife has a job. You, you probably have a 401k that's being contributed to, um, whether you have power or not. I mean, Cody, think what you want about him, but when he left WWE, he bet and gambled on himself, and he won. 
And yeah, he did a lot of things to make that happen, but he won. And now it's weird. And the whole thing was like, this is a revolution. It's not about money. And then three years later, it's about money. Now, my theory about it, and I've been trying to sit back and watch, I think, because now there's a report that Kenny Omega is still doing his EVP um, job and still doing everything he, he had to do. And my theory about Cody is that him and to- Tony had a complete falling out. And it had nothing to do with EVP, I think, or, or everything else that he had to do. I think it was just Cody wanted to book. And yep. when he took that that took that away, um, Cody tried to probably hold on as, t- as much as he could. And then when he realized he couldn't hold on anymore, they just completely split apart. Because from what I've been told is that there's stuff that happened that people won't even report it yet. And... And, I think they're 100 percent correct. I just and don't they, they don't they don't want like like I was told that they don't want to report it, and because they could get in trouble. So I I think that it's something really bad between Tony and Cody because I don't know it's just something really fishy about this entire situation. Yeah, it, lays, it raises a lot of eyebrows and questions. It definitely does. I, I think that you're right, and and you know word is the Cody isn't really speaking to Kenneth Omega, you know, or really the Bucks. But the only thing I differ with you on is I think that is EVP related because I think the only thing he did as an EVP was book. I mean, he probably did other yeah. stuff too, but that was, I mean, but it's funny you talk about Kenny. That's why I laugh when you say Kenny Omega is the EVP because like Kenny Omega has like, you know, t- three jobs as the EVP. You know, his four <laughs> job is to wrestle, but it's, you know, and I'm not going to talk about the injury and all that. You guys addressed that really well. But one job was to book the women's division, which he stunk at. One B was to take care of the Japanese girls, which apparently he didn't do at all. So he, it's like, Kenny, you had one job, and even, even you know, Sheeta's complaining about how, how bad you were at, at, at coordinating things. And then the other job he has is to sort of spearhead the video game, which by all reports is a disaster. But, but Kenny's only statement on it within the last 90 days has been, huh, we're not going to have the graphics or functionality of, of WWE 2K. The only public statement he's made on it is is burying it. Kenny had three jobs. Oh, for three. You know, just stick for. I, I really hope he can recover because actually, I love Heel Omega. I know he's probably going to be positioned as a face. Blah blah blah. But I love this thing with Callus, which surprised me as much as anyone else because he's not really my type of wrestler. But as an EVP, he had three jobs. Oh, for three. Mm-hmm. And you know what's ironic about the video game thing is the company Ukes that's working on the AEW game works on WWE 2K13. Yeah, well, apparently they're still using 2013, 2013 uh, designs and graphics. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, you can go. So my next question is about uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. There's been a lot of uh, comments about him wrestling against Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. Do you think it happens? It, does it happen for a long time? To me, I don't see it happening any longer than one to five minutes. I don't think that he can go all out in a match against Kevin Owens. But on the other side of that, would you just see it as a segment, like a walk-in type of segment? I'm, I'm, this is a cop-out. I'm really not sure. I think at this point, if it's a segment, it has to be a fairly long segment. If it's a match, I agree with you, it's going to be a short match. I mean, they can do one of those hybrid things where the segment goes all wrong and, you know, WWE only has rules when they want WWE. So, you know, Stone Cold could stomp a mud hole in him and then, you know, say, get me a ref in here, ring that bell, and I'll just beat up Kevin Owens for a while, and Evans Owens will sell for him for five or six minutes, 
and then you know what's going to happen. He's going to he's going to do a stunner, and Kevin Owens is going to walk right into a clothesline from hell from JBL, and then there's going to be a spinner Rooney from uh, you know Booker T. Uh, when Kevin Owens stumbles up, he's going to walk into a super kicker from Shawn Michaels, and finally he's going to get to the back and he's going to bump right into the Undertaker, and it's going to end with a tombstone. The end. There, there we go. I'm going to laugh very hard if that's exactly how it happens. That's exactly how it I might I, have the order room wrong, but it's going to end with a tombstone and start with a stunner. I, I wouldn't be shocked. It's a WWE like They do that. Yeah, and you think about how how Stone Cold, when he started in wrestling, it was a different time, and it was a different ball game then. And he, he went through some injuries, and now I feel like time is – pretty much caught up with him towards this WrestleMania. I don't think they have him go all out in a match with Kevin Owens. I don't right. think it's very long. I don't think punch, punch, kick, kick, punch, punch, kick, kicks couple. And there'll be a stunner at the beginning, a stunner at the end. I don't even take, I don't even think he takes a bump. I don't think he, he can do that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're exactly right. If anything, the only offense will be Kevin Owens throwing furniture, you know, from the set towards his direction. <laughs> oh, uh, chairs. so i know there's a lot of confusion and i brought it up earlier about the hardy boy theme song and why AEW was um able to legally use it uh oh, it's I, was, easy. I was wondering if you could explain that to people and and say why it's it's they're allowed to yeah minor thing probably nobody out there cares but music is copyright not trademark this is this is public source music. This was this was used in commercials back in the '90s. Nobody owned the music. Tony Khan didn't buy it. WWE didn't buy it. It's just public stock music, and it and it's stuck. But it's free. You you could you could use it on the show if you wanted to. Oh, oh, I might use that. I mean, <laughs> it's our new theme. It's 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 common source music, meaning it was made to be free for everyone, probably in the early days of the internet. It's not the same as public domain, but the result is the same. But public domain is like Brian Danielson's Flight of the Valkyrie. That you know, that's from the 19th century. That's that's public domain. So how does public domain work? Like at what point does something become from owned by somebody to public domain? Um it's actually it can be more complex. And if you want to look if and if there's comic book fans out there, if you go to my LinkedIn profile, which is just Jeff Lippman, or if you go to my firm's website, Dunlop Bennett and Ludwig. Me and, and another attorney, we wrote two parts about heroes' rights, and it was about the, the Marvel affirmatively trying to uh, disallow the copyright rights to the creators hmm. to sort of not make the same mistake DC made. So you can read some of the complexities. But the basic, it, the, the basic rule, just to keep it simple for this show, is date of publication plus 75 years. Okay. Huh. That seems pretty simple. It's probably a lot more complicated than that. The data first. There, there are, I mean, the older something is because in the beginning, copyrights only lasted for 18 years. So then they extended them for 18 years, but they're also two five-year extension. It, believe me, you don't want to know all this. Nobody needs to know it. Basically, date of first publication plus 75 years. Okay. Uh, Alex, why don't you go? So my next question pertains to New Japan. Uh I saw a video on YouTube where Killer Cross is going to make it, be making his New Japan Pro Wrestling debut April 1st, and he called out Minoru Suzuki in his promo. Do you think he competes against Minoru Suzuki in the uh, first debut for himself in New Japan? 
And do you think they both have similar styles when it pertains to in-ring competition? Well, I think he's absolutely going to face Minoru Suzuki. I also don't think he's really signed with New Japan. I think he... I it's think a he, one-off, yeah. I think he signed an appearance with New Japan Strong. I think this is going to be in the States. And it's probably going to be around when Minoru Suzuki is probably doing six or seven other shows as well. Do they have the same style? I don't, I don't really think so. I mean, I think Killer Cross really has a very WWE style, but he can do the Suzuki. I mean, he's, he's a legit tough guy. And listen, Suzuki, I know that there's a mystique around Suzuki, but he's about half cross his size and he's twice as, you know, probably close to twice his age. So, you know, I, I don't think he can really hurt him anymore. So yeah, I'm sure it'll be fun for people, but uh, I, you know, I don't think you're going to see cross in the G1 next year. So you're saying it's just probably just going to be a one-off similar to like MLW where stars come over from AEW and they just do a one-off appearance and then they go back kind of like that. Yeah. Well, Killer Cross will be on MLW next week. And I don't know if, you know, if he taped for more than one show or that's it. I mean, Buddy Matthews was on MLW yesterday. He lost to TJP. Roxy, who we know signed with WWE, lost to Miranda Gordy on, on the same show. So yeah, they're just bringing people in there. They're coming in for their wild appearance, going out. I don't even think there's story arcs anymore. I think it's just so people will tune into MLW. Matthews now is signed with AEW. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I you know I, I think that a lot of promotions are sort of playing games with this, and they're no longer using the word forbidden door. They just it's enough that it's sitting out there. But you know, it's it's you know basically these are these are all free agents. I think the cross for the short term has thrown in his lot with a, his acting career and B control your narrative and seeing if that takes off. Yeah. Cause he has talked about in an interview with uh, CVV where he wanted to go into uh, uh, filming, filmmaking and acting. So I could see him doing that and then also doing stuff with control your narrative. He's doing a movie. He he's, he's in a movie. Yes. So I want to ask you, <laughs> what do you think about all the rules for control your narrative? <laughs> <laughs> well, four of them are control are control your narrative. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, one and two contradict number five. <laughs> right. You know, then what then, then it says if there's a sanctioned match, time limits apply. If there's not a sanctioned match, no time limits apply unless you, you know, pinfall or can't answer. And then, like, the other ones are no super kicks, no Canadian destroyers, no tope suicidas, which, of course, somebody joked, yeah, well, you can't do a tope suicida when the brick wall is 12 inches from the the apron. (laughs) (laughs) I I think, like everybody else, I think that in their minds, they think that they're they're doing sort of raw underground or or fight club or another version of Boyle Heights Lucha Underground. Or blood sport, yeah. Yeah, like that gritty, real fighting feel. But I... I'm like everyone else. I, I'm very skeptical about it. First of all, a lot of these guys are not the most popular people in wrestling. I don't know that anyone really wants to support Austin Aries. No. Um, you know, uh, and I mean, we the, real fighting exists. So you can see real fighting easily. Further, if you want hardcore wrestling and you want to feel like you're seeing real fighting, hardcore wrestling exists. You can see GCW or hardcore. So this is not that. So it's something in between. And I... I don't know that there's a market for in between with sort of, you know, some guys that don't aren't that necessarily that popular, but I, I think they're banking on 
you know, the people want to see Braun and, you know, may, maybe Eric Redbeard and Cross. And I like to see those guys too. I mean, I, I see Cliff Gordon's on a card. I see Vincent's on a card. Vincent, he's doing a Garden of Doom with me. We're, we're going to record this this coming Monday night. We're not talking about wrestling. We're going to talk about horror. Um, you know, they, they're, you know, uh, Killian Dane, whatever his name is now. I mean, I thought he was deported. I'm glad he's got, I'm glad that, you know, that they're working. I just don't see there being enough interest and I don't see there being enough money to keep these egos happy. Like I think the real fighting is going to be uh, when the camera's off. And then they announced, they said, we have this TV deal. I was like on pro wrestling TV. I mean, we could get on pro wrestling TV. I mean, I, I, I never heard of pro wrestling. <laughs> it wasn't fight TV. It wasn't the zone. It wasn't bleacher report. It, 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 it's like, you know, some F level F tier streaming service. That's not a TV deal. So, I don't know if you saw this, but the reply, you know how the Young Bucks, they tweet everything, like, as a troll through their bio. And their bio was a straight shot at Strowman, saying how, making fun of his running around the ring. And then you said the 12 <laughs> inches from the wall. Now I'm trying to, <laughs> a picture in my head, running around the ring. <laughs> Well, I, I we can increase the picture because just picture him going through the ring like a cartoon, <laughs> and there being a hole in the wall, you know, in in his in his form, in his shadow, so, like Mr. T did in that in that uh, movie, in that after school sh show when he recreated the Tough Man competition, and he mm -hmm. ran right through the brick wall, like in '82 or whenever it was. So, Alex, why don't you go up now? So, my next question pertains to Moxley and Danielson as a tag team. What do you think about? Uh, William Regal managing them, and who do you think on the roster competes against them and has a fair chance against them? Because uh, Josh, Lyle, and I talked about this last week where we think eventually the, the Jurassic Express will drop the titles, and then they will have like a, a triple threat, some type of uh, match where they have tag teams involved, and then that Moxley and Danielson will win the tag titles at a double or nothing. Okay. Where to start? Let's start with the overarching statement. I think AEW uses a lot of their top talent to get over people who they think are going to be young stars, but they're wrong about most of the time. And that's why they keep bringing in older stars or stars from other places. And it's, it's beyond bloated. That's not what you asked me. I have loved Brian's work in AEW. He's been fantastic. Nobody can turn into a heel just like that and and have the crowd love him and and boo him at the same time. Moxley's work in AEW, despite my my co-host who is basically a blood marrow donor for Vince McMahon in advance, uh, who hates Moxley. I was never a Dino Ambrose fan. I am a John Moxley fan. I think his work has been amazing. Um, together, I think they're great. It's like a two-man power trip. Who can compete against them? Whoever the bookers want to make look good against them. I mean, I think that the obvious ones would be CM Punk would have to get a partner of the same caliber. Who is that? I mean, maybe, you know, on the roster now, forgetting about face or heel, you know, Malachi Black, Pack, yeah. you know, maybe Andrade. Uh, Miro would be interesting. Um if they ever let Brian Cage out of his cage, maybe he'd be interesting. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, Hangman Page would be interesting. I mean, uh, you know, there, there's people. I'm not interested in best friends. 
and William Regal with them. I mean, I sort of feel about this. And I heard, you know, I was listening to catering about what you were saying about Bret Hart. And I sort of feel the same way. Why do you pair William Regal with two guys who are not only some of the best talkers in your company, but in the business period? They don't need him. He doesn't benefit anything. But you put William Regal next to top flight, they're immediately enhanced. You put William Regal next to Keith Lee. The only criticism of Keith Lee, objectively, is that he's boring when he speaks. I, I know people say he's fat and he's out of shape and, they, and he's cumbersome, but or you know, but you know, let's assume that he can work through that, or people are just seeing what they want to see. You put William Regal next to him doing the talking for him, he's immediately enhanced. Brian Cage, you want to let him out of the cage? He can't cut a promo. Looks like a million bucks. Put William Regal next to him. Problem solved. So I, I, I don't, I don't like this. I don't see anything in Wheel of Yuta, and I don't really like small wrestlers to begin with. Um, I don't like best friends. And then I saw him next to to Brian. He's the same height or, or shorter than Brian, and he's slighter than Brian. So I instantly have no interest, and I don't know why these guys would be so interested in him. And the other names they named was Daniel Garcia, who Jericho put into, you know, inner circle, you know, 2.0. Um, and then the other one was Lee Mor Moriarty. I don't know where that's going to go, if any place. But who do I see with them? CM Punk and, and Cesaro. That That's who I see Ooh, competing against them. Yeah, because Cesaro I, hasn't been signed yet. That's a big question. I, I think Samoa Joe could join them. I think Samoa Joe may have a Keith Lee problem, but uh, Cesaro filed for a trademark recently for CSRO. I think if WWE wanted to give him problems, that he'll have problems with that. I don't know if they will, if they won't. I, I don't think they dislike him. Someone um, found a picture actually of that of him having that on a shirt, and they think it's him, his own closing line or something that he's going to be making because he also filed it to using coffee. So he might be trying. I don't know what. I don't think it's going to be like a wrestling thing. Because he wore it on WWE with a shirt that had the same thing on it. Maybe. So. But if he wore it on WWE TV, I think that's even a problem. Listen, the implication is that it's Cesaro. I mean, it's phonetically yeah. Cesaro. You just you know, you just took out most of the vowels. But um, <laughs> that's something for another day. But, yeah. Also, you know, Cesaro would be really cool to maybe build new Ring of Honor around. I mean, everyone said that he was great in Ring of Honor and he should be a world champion. And if you want a new Ring of Honor to get some attention, Jonathan Gresham sure didn't get you any. Would Cesaro? Oh, Fuck yeah. yeah. Oh, am I allowed to curse here? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, you are. Okay. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now you mentioned that some of the guys, that the young guys that tried to build up, you think they didn't. Now I want to know who you think that is. Okay. Well, let's start with the last year or so. They told us that Dante Martin was this bright solo star. And then, you know, during the, the as his brother started getting healthier, all he was doing was losing to people he was previously mm -hmm. beating. Now, forget about my personal opinion that Will Hobbs shouldn't be losing to Dante Martin anyway, but, but you know, the, but he was losing to Dante Martin. And then as soon as his brother gets back, they put him back in a tag team. Then they give him that one pay, that match, one match with Adam Page, which I thought was pretty good, but Adam Page isn't over as a champion. No one really buys him. He's like the, the 15th most important person on the AEW roster. So Dante Martin, Val. Um, Darby, who they succeeded with, now he's in this thing with Sting, uh, which is also going to be with the Hardy. So who? what order is Darby? Is he the third most important guy, the fourth, the first? I don't know, but they turned a single star and made him into a tag team novelty act with Sting. Um, so fact, Ricky Starks, he was supposed to be a big star. He, he's in a faction where one guy's a face, 
two guys are heels and he's got a made up title that he almost never defends and his faction loses every feud. Um, Ethan Page was supposed to be a star. Pac was supposed to be a star. Jay Letha was going to come in and was going to be a star. Brian Pillman Jr., Rookie of the Year, was going to be a star. I mean, I, I could go on. Jungle Boy, he was going to be a single star. Well, he's got tag team gold, but I mean, is he? I mean, does he feel more important than Christian Cage when they're together? I think so. I, I don't. I think. Christian I, I think he gets. I, I, some of those, I 100 percent agree with you with, but like Darby, Sammy, yeah. um, Jungle Boy, uh, even Adam Page, they all get some of the best reactions on the show every every week. Oh yeah, some, they, some they of the best reaction out of any any company right now. So I think Darby, that tells Darby does. MJF Adam pa- Adam Page 100 percent does. He gets mm. he gets a great pop. He this week it or uh, the week before I think it was he had a great pop. He he drew well for the pay per view. Um, I think that he, I th- I think those four mainly. I th- majority of the other ones, I think you're. I don't think he right drew with. well for the pay per view. Yeah, I think well, Punk versus MJF drew well for the pay per view. I mean that that card that had a million mm-hmm. a million matches on it. How how do you credit one match when you have thirteen you know eleven matches on the card? And you know, listen, I, I know do. I know they like to go year over year. Revolution last year did one thirty five. This year did one seventy, but. That's that's I mean that's how you measure Super Bowls. That's not how you measure wrestling pay per views. Mm. Wrestling pay per views is one to the next. No one really cares about the names. I mean, the last pay per view did two hundred and five thousand, so this one went down to one seventy or one seventy five. No, that was all out. All out was the one before that. Okay, then they've gone down and then a little bit work. up. Whatever, whatever it is. However, you want to measure, you you can make whichever argument you want. Mm-hmm. The the year over year. Only matters to me if the viewership over year across the board is higher. And I think AEW's 2021 second half, 2022 viewership is over the same period, 2020, 2021. And I think that their pay-per-views are higher, generally speaking. I'm just not sure if that's a trend or if they hit a peak, you know, summer of punk modern era and then sort of have plateaued back down or if it's something they can sustain. Because how many, I mean, Bret Hart is a gimmick. It's going to get a gimmick for people to tune in maybe once, but I don't I don't think anyone really needs to see 61-year-old Bret Hart managing FDR. I don't, I don't think that's a draw. I don't think that adds anything. Well, they could prove us wrong 100%. We don't know. But, yeah, we don't. We um, obviously don't know. Now, and I was going to mention off what uh, Jeff was saying, and he's he's right to a point. A lot of the other half of those stars that were mentioned a lot of them just keep losing. A lot of them aren't getting fair pushes. And that's why I see this on Twitter a lot. People commenting like, hey, like half of the roster isn't being utilized. Like we need to pick this up somehow. No, I agree with him with that, with a lot of those names he mentioned. Yeah. Ring of Honor might be a great escape valve for that to put a lot of people. I mean, is Andrade, is he in a better place than he was with WWE? I don't know. Malachi Black, was he? Sure. But is he now? I don't know. Buddy Matthews? Brody King, does anyone even care that he's there now? Did they ever? I don't know, but you know, we'll see if if, if he can take you know forty or fifty people and use them in, in Ring of Honor successfully, then cool. Mm-hmm. Alex, why don't you go? So my next question are what are your what were your thoughts on AEW Revolution and what it's what's your take on the pay per view? What were your ups and downs from it? Way too long. I, listen, I appreciate that when you're charging fifty dollars. That you're going to give me a lot, but I don't want a lot. I've been I've been trained now for WWE, unless it's like WrestleMania or something that you know the show is going to be 
three to four hours. That that that's that's all I can take. The downs the the downside. I mean, the women's match was really bad. Actually, all of the women's matches were were bad. The pre-show, two of the matches didn't need to be there at all. And it's not like Hook versus QT Marshall was a bad match. It just didn't need to be on a pay-per-view. The House of Black six-man match. There was nothing wrong with it. It was a good match, but that one and the Darby Sting. Uh, you know, that crash, which had too many people in it, th that one didn't need to be, both of those matches didn't need to be on the card, and one of them could have been on the pre-show and the other one taken off. So, I mean, I think by the time that you got to some of the, I mean, there were some great matches on the yeah, card. Yeah. Jericho Kingston was a great match. Uh, I think that Punk and MJF was really good. Um, I thought that the title match was really good. Paige and, um, and Adam Cole, Cole was really good. The only problem was is that they they were very similar in tone and pacing, um, which probably isn't a problem if you have eight matches or seven matches on a card in one pre-show versus eleven. Um, so I just thought it was too long. I think that there was an excellent pay-per-view in there. It, it just needed an editor. I agree with way too long on a Sunday. If it was on a Saturday. Yeah. I think it's a little bit yeah. better. And, That's a better way to go. And they don't want to compete with UFC right now, and I, I understandably, um, I don't think WWE or AEW, if they were charging for a fifty dollars pay per view, yeah. can compete with UFC. Right. Um, but I think if they go back to those Saturdays, or even you know you have Double or Nothing and All Out, which is on a Sunday when Monday most people are off. Mm -hmm. Those I I agree with. They can go that long. It's kind of like that Saturday factor. But yeah, yeah I, just I, having it on a Sunday is I think is like down too for long. Me. Too long, and people yeah. have to work the next day. People got st things to do. Like me and nobody's Josh watching. Both said it. Yeah, nobody's gonna watch a four hour pay per view on a Sunday night. Me and Josh yeah, both said I, I watched five over. hours. Four hours and fifty one minutes. When, <laughs> When I realized that it wasn't ending that, I mean, back in the day, I remember if you went past 11, you had to pay the whole, you had to split like the whole three hour block with the pay-per-view carrier. Maybe that's, maybe that doesn't exist anymore. Or maybe Tony Khan just doesn't care. I don't know. But if that's the case, he cut what, whatever his profits were, he he lost them because he paid pay-per-view twice because um, it's really 50-50. Um, but anyway, forget about that. Once we got to 11 and I realized, Holy shit! There's at least two more matches. I'm like, no, it's three matches. I'm like, this is going to go at least another hour. Uh, at that point, like, I was checked out, and those were some of the most important matches. So, I, you know, at least end at eleven. You know, if you're going to start at seven, yeah. at least end yeah, at eleven. I agree. And th that was the thing how WWE paid for these back in the day when you bought them. You could look at ten thirty, and you knew it was going to end in like fifteen twenty minutes because they would never get to eleven. Yeah. Now and, credit for them. Their pre-show is three matches. It's not. It's not a bunch of commercials and advertisements. Uh, you know, like WWE, the pre-show. You know, the first half hour is just advertising for the match. Then there's one short match, and then they basically do a, an abbreviated 15-minute version of the half-hour commercial they did before. And and Peter Rosenberg says stupid things. And it's, the entire pre-show is a commercial for the pay-per-view, which they are about to show and people are watching right. on the network that they already bought it on. Right, which made no sense until maybe it makes sense for Peacock now because pe yeah. a lot of people just have Peacock. So, like, maybe it makes sense now, but it didn't before. Uh, and AEW doesn't do that. I mean, though they do promote what's happening on the card, 
I mean, if you've already paid fifty dollars, you don't need to be told what's coming up on the card <laughs> through the show. You know, maybe do it at the seven o'clock top of the hour, and then again at eight o'clock. Yeah, hotels. That's enough. So, Alex, do you want? Yep. So, my next question is about the Undertaker. What are your thoughts about him going into the WWE Hall of Fame class of two thousand twenty-two? And do you who do you think inducts him into the Hall of Fame? Do you think it's Kane? Or do you think it's somebody related to the Paul Bearer family that inducts him? Well, I mean, Vince McMahon already said he's going to induct him. So that that's that's a fait accompli. I, I thought it was going to be Kane, um, but Vince said it's going to be him. And that's fine. I mean, I know that Vince thinks of The Undertaker as, as his finest creation. Uh, what do I think of The Undertaker going in? Yeah, I mean, of course. He's a headliner. It's Texas. He's from Texas. He's one of the legendary characters in wrestling. And I think that even if you're not a wrestling fan, if somebody said, do you know The Undertaker? I, I think that there's a reasonable chance that somebody in every household in America knows who The Undertaker is and knows that he was a wrestler, even if they never watch wrestling. And, and that's pretty rare because I'm, you know, I think there's a reasonable chance that, that if you're in a neighborhood, that you know, you have a block of seven houses that someone knows who Roman Reigns is. But if I ask my parents, who who's Roman Reigns? I'd be like, I don't know who's Roman Reigns. If you say who's the Undertaker, I mean that wrestling guy. You know they'll, they'll they'll know that. Versus, you say Hulk Hogan or Randy Savage, they know who that is. You say Superfly Snooker, people still know who that is. Mm-hmm. I I completely agree with you. By the way, um, now I want to ask you about WrestleMania. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. We can't can't ignore the biggest um, name no, in the world. So, in your opinion. What do you think about the card coming up now? I'm looking at it. I think it has way too many celebrity matches. Yeah. <laughs> it's they, like every other match is a celebrity. But so even a commentator, you... even a commentator having a match. Pat McAfee against Austin Theory, which uh I don't know. I don't know about that one. So now what do you think about the show? Do you think that Cody is has any chance of do you think like the, the hype around that is kind of dead? Thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to give a little WWE hate because I think I, I've been directing it in all different directions so far. And people are going to think that I'm a mark. Um, I don't think much of this WrestleMania card. This There are some times when you are a wrestling podcaster that watching wrestling feels like work. And not only do I have to watch SmackDown and Stand and Deliver, which usually I work, look forward to NXT stuff, but then I have to watch two nights of WrestleMania and there's almost no matches on this card that I'm interested in. I... Thought I understood WWE about nine months ago. I thought that they were going to be the land of the giants. So that's what they were doing. They sent a bunch of the big men back down to, to work on their skills. And then they released half of them. And then they released people like Cross and Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman and then Keith Lee. And I mean, and say what you will about any of them. I know a lot of people, Braun Strowman, he sucks. Yeah, but he's a six foot nine monster. You, 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 you can't, you know, you can't just find those on an assembly line. Um, so all of a sudden I was confused. Now, the one thing I do understand is they're just event planning. So this is what they're they're doing, event planning to try to get the most mainstream eyes and nobody's interested in wrestling, but people are, were interested in bad bunny people. Pat McAfee has the, one of the most popular sports podcasts in in the world. He's like, it's like Joe Rogan, then Pat McAfee, Uh um, you know, on variety sports, pop culture. Logan Paul, Paul, somehow he's a YouTube sensation. Somehow people still are interested in Johnny Knoxville. I don't understand this stuff either, but I understand why they're doing it. That said, 
I'm very interested in the top card matches. I'm very interested in Roman Brock. I think that story is great. It's been it's been great almost the entire time. Roman's been killing it. Brock's been killing it. Uh, Becky versus Bianca has to happen. It's the redemption story that's been building since SummerSlam. It's necessary. Um, I don't mind Charlotte Ronda. I know a lot of people do. I don't think the build has been particularly great. But it almost doesn't matter. Ronda Rousey is one of those people who people will tune in just to watch. Do I think Cody's going to show up? Yes. Do I think some of the hype has died? Yes. But hype in wrestling is something that's easy to recapture. And when Seth Rollins says, I'm a main event or I don't have a match, God damn it, I want a match here at WrestleMania. And then all of a sudden, Cody Rhodes, the son of Dusty Rhodes, West Texas University, former player, Texas NWA legend comes out. Uh, former AWA and Seth Rollins wasn't ready for. He was ready for anyone in the locker room, just not Cody Rhodes. And Cody Rhodes wins one, two, three. Yeah, I think that that's going to go over, and it's going and it's. I don't think Vince is going to make the same Barry WCW mistake again. So yeah, I think that's going to be big. Do I really care about seeing that match? No. Do I care about the women's tag team matches? Do I care about the men's tag team matches? I mean, I knew what half of this card was going to be. Like months ago, I told Steve, I said, I said, he's why why is Nakamura losing the belt? I'm like, because they want him and Rick Boogs to be a tag team act. It's very clear. And they're probably going to face the Usos at WrestleMania for the belts. He's like, no way. And then he he was so sure that, you know, Riddle versus Randy Orton was going to be a match and Seth Rollins was going to be in a title match. I'm like, no, 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 no. I thought Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens was going to be against the RK bros, but I knew the RK bros were getting it back. Then this whole Stone Cold thing came up, and that's you know for, that's a spectacle for curiosity's sake. But then I said to him, I said it's going to be the RK Bros versus the Street Profits and probably Alpha Academy in a in a fatal three way. Um, but no, I'm not. I think the build has been sort of. I mean, it's sort of like AEW. They sort of book week to week. I think WWE just books on thirty day cycles, and I, I think most of this card is very uninteresting to a wrestling fan, but. I don't, I'm not sure that they care. I think that they think that it might be interesting to a family to watch on Saturday night and then continue through Sunday night to see the rest of it. That's a huge problem for me is when they, when they do something like that. And I talked to a friend of mine about this earlier where why don't they just target the same, like not the same audience, but half of the audience, like one half of the the childlike audience and then target the adult audience so that it makes makes sense putting in the different like of uh programs i i don't know because i mean i mean i guess stand and deliver might be that but i mean that's not even what nxt is now it's, it's no it's awful. way different it's so i don't know i guess vince believes in his vision and then he's really testing it out i guess as long as comcast universal and I mean, Peacock is thrilled with what they're getting from WWE. So, I, I mean, I guess why change? But I, I'm not happy about it either. I mean, I get some of it, but I, I'm not happy about it. I, I've never really liked celebrity matches. I didn't even like when they brought in athletes. Like, I never thought it did the wrestlers any favors to lose to the athletes. Then the athletes are gone. I don't think you ever kept those audiences. Um, so, I, you know, it's not for me. Um, but will I be watching it? Yeah, I guess. Probably. Sort of have to. 
Well, Jeff, I want to say thank you to you for coming on and giving us yeah, your time. Thank you for coming on with us. It's uh, always a pleasure. It's always an honor. And it's always a lot of fun to have you on with us. No, thank you, guys. Thank you for those words. It's an honor. That, that was, that's laying on thick. But no, thank you. I, I love coming on. I'll, I'll happily be on any time I'm, I'm available and you want me. S sorry I've cursed Josh. Um, <laughs> I'm really interested in what the Speedy PD is, is uh, you know, so... That, that's that's a curiosity I have. I'm, I'm picturing Danhausen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, th thanks for having me, folks. Please, you know, if you want to hear more, check out Hammerlock Hangover. And if you want to check out the uh, non-wrestling podcasts, uh, Garden Doom and Garden Views, give give them a shot. Yeah, definitely. You have uh, you. I, I like talking to you. You have a different opinions than us, and I think that's great to have on. And instead of having that repetitive of talking to people that sometimes might have a similar opinion, it might get boring. And I th that's why I think we flow very well talking because we don't sit there and just agree with each other. We yeah, well, sit there and... also very civil. It's not, you know, you don't disagree with me. And I'm just, and we don't, it's not like I want to kill your mother. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just wrestling. It's like, it's like the whole distinction between, you know, until recently, I thought the distinction between sports entertainment and professional wrestling was nothing. It was fictitious. Now it sort of actually is something, but it's still, got to be among the least important arguments in the world i agree with that yeah it's and well we are, we are actually going to be running out of time soon so we can't really get on to that. But, <laughs> but thank you again um i'll be in contact with you we can try and get you on again and try and break the curse of josh and have you on with him i know he was really looking forward to talking to you uh but thank you again and uh we'll see you soon anytime thank you guys stay evil my friends definitely Thank you. You want to, uh, okay. Thank you. Thank you, Speedy. Well, we're going to be ending at seven o'clock today. We can yep. go a little bit longer. Right, right off the bat, why don't, uh, Alex, why don't you give us your finishing move? So, my finishing move is the WWE UK pay per view that's set for September. And I heard that's going to be happening on Saturday, September 3rd at Cardiff's Principality Stadium. And this is going to be in the United Kingdom and uh, out of Wales. So I'm very interested to see what they do with this pay-per-view, what they're going to call it. I wonder what name they're going to use, what rights to the name they might use for a UK pay-per-view, but we'll see. I think it'll be very interesting. And it's, it's supposed to be happening the same day as uh, All Out. Mm -hmm. So if they do that, like in the afternoon, that'll be a very long day. Um, I'm very interested in seeing... If they actually go through with that, because I know in the past there were rumors that Vince McMahon didn't want to work Labor Day weekend. So I don't know how true that is. Um, we'll see. My finishing move is, and I know I uh, spoke about it a little bit earlier, about Bret Hart. And honestly, I was thinking, and it's we all miss Owen Hart so much. He's mm -hmm. He was phenomenal in everything he did. I think he would have been at this stage of his career in, in his mid to late fifties. He would have been a phenomenal manager. Yeah, he would have been. I think he was a perfect talker. He was great. I think he would have been amazing. I think he would have been a guy who transitioned to that role very well. And it really got me thinking about how great of a guy he was and how great of a, all-around wrestler he was in every aspect. So, 
hopefully Bret Hart does an amazing job if he actually does become their manager for FTR. But we'll see. Yep. And on that note, I would like to say, Josh, uh, hopefully your everything is going okay. We yeah. missed you today. I know you uh, busted your chops a little bit, but hopefully everything is going all right and everybody's doing all right. We'll see you next week. And Kenny Omega, take it away. I must beat you at you, so stay with me now if you know it. Goodbye. Mwah. And good night. Thank you for listening to Off the Mat on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Your source for all things wrestling and sports entertainment. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.